Welcome to the milk bar. 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 Welcome along to episode 573 of The Milk Bar. Jason Forrest here with you as ever. And coming up on the show, we'll be having a chat with Grangrad Gordon. Gordon Ashley and his online escapades. He gets to be Grangrad online. He's loving it, I think. We'll find out more about that. Uh, we'll chat with bodybuilder Josh Bell uh, about what he's been doing uh, without the competitions he was planning on entering this year. We'll also talk health and fitness when we catch up with James Kirkpatrick. He'll be on the line as we have a chat there about some of the therapies that he has on offer. John Starkey joins us for a chat. We'll be hearing from him all about his work in the world of clairvoyance. And Dom Smith joins us for a chat about being on Britain's Got Talent when he was in his uh, very early years. Uh, he's a ripe old age of about 25 now. So we'll be chatting about uh, his time growing up there. And another star of reality TV, George Windsor, joining us for a natter too and hearing some music from him. That's all coming up on the show this week. But first of all, with Bulletproof Series 2 available now on digital download and on DVD and the box set of 1 and 2 on the 15th of June, it is a feast of entertainment for your eyes and ears. Someone who's got to keep control of Bishop and Pike in her role as Sarah Tanner is Lindsay Coulson, who joins me now. Hello. Hi, hello. Nice nice to be here. Well, good to talk to you. And... Uh, I mean, a series that was so well received with season one, there had to be a season two. Please tell yeah. me that the season three is coming along after everything's calmed down in this world. Well, we have actually done a, a Bulletproof special three, so the special three particular eps that we just came back literally on the 6th of March from South Africa. Mm-hmm. So, well, I don't know when they'll be out, but um, yeah, that that was really interesting to do it there. Um, and... Uh, yeah, and then we sort of hit the ground running into lockdown not long after. So this amazing experience out there was sort of like, ooh. And I, I actually hadn't seen any friends since December because I was out there for three, three months. So I feel like I've been locked away for a very long time. But yeah, so they have, that, there has, they have got that to look forward to. So there is something else to tease us with. I like that idea. But how, yeah. how do things work out for season two? Because you've got Ashley Walters and uh, Noel Clark playing the two leads of Bishop and Pike. So yeah. uh, what, what's going on in their world? Um, well, obviously, it's all that sort of undercover stuff in their world, and this is majorly undercover because I, I can't, I won't give it away because it'll no. be a shame because it'll it'll ruin it. But the story is told over eight episodes, um, and obviously, they're fairly maverick, and and they're sort of, you know, they're not really, they're not really adhering to many of the rules. And but I sort of think that makes it it sort of much more you know, fast and pasty than all the sort of procedural thing that we have to do here in, in, in the British police force. But um yeah, they 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 I think they they as a as a team and as a as a pair of actors are working it beautifully. They're very funny and they they've got the banter and they, they work off of each other really well. So I think that's come to the fore a little bit more in this series. It's shot in London this year as opposed to it being in Liverpool and pretending it to be London. So I think it's it's freed it sort of panoramically because I think you can see the landscape, whereas potentially we were hiding that a little bit last year. Um, and our offices, the main offices of the Crystal Building, which is at um, Royal Docks, which is by the XL, mm-hmm. which is now the Nightingale Hospital, but near the airport. So it's really exciting visually and and it's shot um, very filmically and, and that makes it exciting. Car sequences, aeroplanes, helicopters, yeah, no expense spared. So it's good. I think it's good. Yeah, and I, th- I think that that's the thing about it. You can you can feel the money. You can feel it's a, a well-made show. I mean, from watching the the first season, uh, the yeah. the incident with the the car and the witness, and I'm not saying any more than that for anyone who hasn't seen it. But there, there's some shocking moments um, that are, uh, that that are also in some weird ways fun, aren't they? They're what? Sorry, they're so they're fun as well as being shocking. They are. I think. I think that's what it quite. It does quite well, actually. They are. There are some. Yeah, and there are some shocking moments in this. Where you go, oh, oh my god, I wasn't expecting that. And and then and then they then there's something quite funny out of it. And I think that's. And the boys do that brilliantly. Um, unfortunately, I don't get to play any of the sort of bantery bits. I am sort of 
trying to keep a lid on their maverick behaviour. But um, yeah, no, it's fun. It's good. It, it, it's got the right recipe, I think, and it's you know it knows who its target audience is. I think, and um, it, it's always hard as an actor to know whether or not the thing that you like and do is received well. So it's when it is, it's great. But, but the boys who are executing on this one know what it is they want to do with it. So that I think that's when I think any first series of something is trying to, you know, introduce characters, also mm-hmm. tell stories and if it can do all of that and to hold an audience, that's brilliant. But I think if you it, it gets more breadth of, of a piece in the second in the second series. So I think that in the sort of goes, I know what I am now. Yeah, and it certainly has the feel of something that has uh, a chance to to run. And as you say, season was was one was introducing, and the the sudden world you're immersed into in the first episode, and 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 taking that from from there and and seeing it develop. And then I haven't seen season two yet. I'm I'm going to yeah. I will be watching it soon. Um, and yeah. it it is sort of yeah, it, it's impactful, isn't it? It does sort of hit you in the face and then take you along with it. I think season two actually is brighter and wider and more American in its in its, its how it feels, and mm-hmm. I it, you do think it, it gives London this sort of real edginess to it, um, but it could be any big city really. It could be any any major city, and and it looks like the production value looks good, it, you know. And I think that's the you know certainly when we're you're up against next all the time and stuff it, it certainly holds its own definitely absolutely and it, that is itself brought together by such an amazing cast and we've talked about Ashley and Noel and we can't go without mentioning the fact that you I mean, you are a, a nationally known name before you started this with the likes of being Carol Jackson and EastEnders all the stuff that you've done with the Bay MIT murder investigation team and so many more I mean you came yeah. into this and what was it like dropping into a team like that having been so integrated into other big shows um, I think, well, you sort of leave, you just become, it, it, it's, it's like, you know, it's like if you've got good tools, you can do your job, isn't it? So if you, if you get into a script and you like the script and you think that's an interesting character, I, I particularly like playing police people and I, I seem to be going up the ladder as I'm getting older, which is great. <laughs> I mean, I must fall off the ladder at some, at some point. Be, but, you um, become a consultant when you stop being a senior detective, don't oh, you? Oh, that's what it'll be. I'll be a consultant, yeah. I sort of sometimes think I am a police person. Right? You know, I'm, literally, if I meet other police people, I'll say, well, I'm a branch commander, you know, and, uh, you know, and I've done it incredibly well. You know? <laughs> um, and I have met some wonderful police people in my, in my journey of being an actor and, and playing lots of police people. I, I think, um, yeah, in fact, the other day, a little while ago, I, I, I was walking and I met a British transport guy and, and he was a policeman. He recognised me and immediately we, I became his boss. <laughs> immediately my stature rose and I, he, I said, I'm a branch commander. He said, yes, you are. And I could feel him. <laughs> I said, oh, we're not really, obviously. But um, that was funny. And it must be a joy to play these sort of parts, so because you get to be quite stern with the boys when you need to be, and and that must add something to both the uh, off-screen dynamic of the way in which you work on the set. Yeah, I think it does actually. I think they've got a lot of respect for me because I'm older, and I think they were watching me when I was in EastEnders when they were young. So I think you know I've got people that I I respect and think, oh, I knew I, you know before I entered into this business, I I knew you, I liked your work and stuff, and. Um, yeah, I really like them, and I think that's nice. And I think also, you know, they're 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 they know their own they're the, they're their own people, and I think it's great because I think you know at least I can just give them a look, and I know that I'll have to pull rank here. <laughs> and whether that works, you know, sometimes they they they're so maverick in this because it is their own show. I'm, I'm talking about them as characters that. You know, sometimes you have to go, hang on a minute, if I'm in the room, I wouldn't allow that. We said we have to have those discussions because, um, you know, that wouldn't, either buck stops with me, so I'd have to stop that. But we're trying not to make this so sort of procedural and, and forensic. So you would have to, you know, obviously you've got a lot of leeway and, and dramatic license to do stuff that obviously the British police wouldn't be allowed to do. But I suppose that opens it up to a much more American, free, free-falling piece actually mm. um, and, it, and that's exciting and it gives you a bit of fantasy as well and I think that sort of helps with the series and in, in some ways the fantasy makes some of the other stuff more believable I think so yeah I think everybody knows what it is and you know 
I think within that they they tell some really you know some sort of hard hitting stories. But but um, you're right. It's and actually at this time. Fantasy is really what we need, isn't it? Yeah, that's certainly uh, uh, escapism and, uh, yeah. and a chance to, to immerse yourself into a world on TV whilst you've been isolating at home. I think that all helps. Well, yeah, with the DVD and digital seasons two available now, and the box set of one and two on the fifteenth of June, uh, yeah, so teasing those who haven't heard of it so far, knowing that they've got to catch up uh, as of next week, uh, it's going to be well worth a look if you haven't experienced it. I mean, yeah. Bulletproof is an absolute treat, isn't it? Yes, yeah, I think. so. And I happen to be in it, but I do think so. You're biased, but then again, come on, we've seen your career CV. You, if you, if it's not worth doing, you don't do it, do you? Um, mostly I don't, but I think also I'm an actor, and then sometimes you you have to do things that you might potentially not have decided to do just for tick box of, of other reasons. But mostly now I can, I I won't do stuff that I. I, I don't really believe in so um, because otherwise I can't play the truth of it. I think that's the thing, and that's that's the that's what you want to do as an actor, isn't it? You want to you want to play some some truth as much as possible. And um, yeah, no, and I'm and I'm really you know I'm really proud to have been part of this actually. Um, I do think I need to fall off that ladder at some point, and I you know will be interesting to see what as I say we've done a special with three, but um, see what happens if 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 they're lucky enough or we're lucky enough to do four. Oh, I'll leave you with that. Okay, anything can happen. <laughs> Watch this space. Lindsay, Lindsay Coulson, thank you for joining us. Bulletproof uh, is a treat for all, and uh, we look forward to seeing you on uh, a screen near us soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you, Jason. Bye. Gordon Ashley has been many things to many people over the years. Breakfast show host on Beacon, star of one of the teams on Checkers Plays Pop, and so much more in between. He is now Grandpa Gordon online, and he joins me for a chat. Hello, sir. Do you know, do you know what I hate about some interviews? It's when the interviewee corrects the person interviewing them. Oh, go on, what have I done? Uh, well, it's very important, this. Go on. It's not Grandad. Oh. It's Grandrad. Sorry! I uh... no, don't, no, don't even be defensive about it. i tell you why Grandrad. One of those family things when one of the children can't pronounce, can't, doesn't understand the word granddad, because I'm grand, yes, I'm a grand something, but dad is who a dad is. So she always called me grandgrad, grandgrad. <laughs> so it became, the show became Grandgrad Gordon Storytime on GGTV. Thank you. There we go. I, I, I tell you I didn't get the GG reference uh, quite in the same way, so Grand Gap makes, makes even sense, does more sense, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, well GG TV, for those that know, it's Grand Grad T television, but it makes it sound as if it's for, for horses or it's an equestrian station. <laughs> but it's GG TV, and you are, you are, at the moment, we are in the green room at GG TV Centre. <laughs> I'm liking it. So how are you? What's, what's been going on then? Because this, this is a, a good bit of fun. Good. I'm very good. Um, I don't know if you're here. There's been a pandemic. I, I don't know if anybody knows. Her. I might be there. I, this might be breaking news. <laughs> um, and um, we're all in. Why is it called lockdown? Yeah. I can understand lock up. I can understand lock in. I kind of understand lock out. But <laughs> lockdown. And we all accept. See, this is it, isn't it? We all accept what's thrown at us. So we're all going, oh, yes, it's locked. When did coronavirus suddenly become COVID-19? We all accept it, don't we? Mm. You see? Now, for all we know, could just be a plan by the television companies to keep us in and get the viewing figures up. Well, it's, it certainly will be working, particularly uh, as uh, we've got some great options to watch now, with Grandad TV uh, doing its yes. bit to entertain the kids. And um, I mean, you, you, you've reached the point in your life now where you have a particularly extended family, and uh, they are lucky to have somebody like you at the top of the tree. Thank you. So, yes. The Ugly tree. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, can we reminisce for a moment? Because I mean, I remember yeah. the happy days of uh, of you presenting breakfast on on Beacon and all the fun that's ensued on radio throughout the Midlands and beyond since then. And yeah, th this that you're doing now, entertaining a younger generation, you're just used to yeah putting smiles on the faces of uh, those who've come into contact with you for decades, aren't you? Yeah, well, I tell you what, it's interesting because just before lockdown, up, out, shake it all about, <laughs> before that began, 
we kind of made a family decision that I would I'd go home and see how it went. And that very afternoon, they announced lockdown. And we got to make a decision. Does 71-year-old grandgrad come back and perhaps be at risk? Because I'm quite, I'm quite physically fit. I'm not an infirm 71-year-old. I, I run every day mm -hmm. um, and, and I do all that to eat well. But so, and we said, well, let's let's go for grandgrad on his own, and that, so explain to the kids. And what happened was was that Penny, who's six, got quite worried about it. Georgia, who's ten, ten-year-olds are amazingly resilient and cope with stuff. Mm -hmm. But six-year-old, and she said, I, I'm missing the stories every night. So what happened was was my daughter put an iPad. And, and with me live like this now, yeah. and I read her a story like I normally would via the iPad just in the screen. Mm -hmm. And my, my, my daughter thought this was so lovely, she took a photo, uh, that's the international sign for taking a photo, <laughs> and, and she took a photo and posted it. And everybody said, oh, can you do one for us? Oh, can you read us a story? Can you read? And, and my daughter said, you know, you ought to do that every night. And that's how it was born. And so every night we started to do it. And typical me, I went out and bought a tripod and some, <laughs> uh, uh, one light, one light. You don't want too many lights on this, do you? Uh, we have a co-presenter called Charlie who helps us out every night. So it's not just me. I, I know what you're saying now. You're saying, Jason, you're saying, well, is Charlie around? Yeah, we see Charlie. Hello, Charlie. Who's that? He said, who's that? You've got to talk oh, to Oh, sorry, sorry, Charlie. Yes, uh, my name's Jason, and I've been a particular fan of, uh, of Grandgad uh, for quite a while. He says, he, he says you talk more than I do, but you're just as pretty. <laughs> well, we're doing well there. <laughs> so Charlie's now become a star on his own, and he, he helps out every night, and all the kids love him. But what happened is, is that it's, it's like a lot of successful programmes, like, like Tiz was, was yeah. is it's on a couple of three levels. That's the international sign for <laughs> levels. Um, and and um, he, what he does is, is uh, we do a, a, like, a panto. Yeah. Like Panto, you know, you 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 has got to. So a lot of adults are just tuning in. Um, I've got cousins I didn't know existed, and people who are, are tuning in, and they're all sort of going, "Oh, we love this, we love that," and people are sending in their request. Now I'm going to be honest, it's it, it's not going to worry Rajar or or um, Global. It's not going to worry them this program because um, we've only got about fifty people watching. But as soon as I do a little thing like this, I get loads of friends requests. And because, because I didn't want to bore people with um, who are my adult, so-called adult friends, that's the International Society for Adults, yeah. so-called adult friends, um, I, 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 I didn't accept their friends' request and they thought it was all off. And I go, do you really want to sit down and hear Grand, Grand Gordon and Charlie? Do you want to see them, do you want to see me reading David Walliam's stories? And they said, yeah, we think we do, actually. Yeah, uh, <laughs> everyone needs a Grand Grand in their life. And what happens is every night at 7.30, we have, um, we have a, a story, and we have a joke, uh, and we have Charlie, and, mm -hmm. and people send in all the requests. Um, I'm on Facebook Live, and if anybody can tell me how to get split screen and what working. But to be honest, I think it works better on me just broadcasting. Sorry, yeah. I'm wittering. It's what, it's what I do. That's the international side for wittering. <laughs> okay. By the way, this whole international sign thing, now that's just a, that's just a verbal, physical tick that came out. Because hmm. being radio, like yourself, I'm not used to talking to myself. Mm -hmm. so, when, so I was seeing myself and I was doing this with my hands for some reason. And I thought, oh, that. And eventually, this whole thing about international sign. I mean, I don't know if you know, when you go on holiday, what's the international sign for a pizza when you're on holiday? It's that, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You go to the bar, you go, I'll have a pint, please. Is uh, a whiskey, that's the international sign for a whiskey, and a pizza. <laughs> and, and so all this international, so, and you know this, the best catchphrases and gimmicks in radio or television are just born out of something you do regularly. Mm -hmm. um, and and I, to be, I'm going to be honest with you, Jason, I enjoy doing it. It's, it's, it's jolly good fun. And we, we need somewhere where we can get you. I mean, so you mentioned Tiz was that obviously huge numbers of fans ongoing for that. And I know you get invited to talk about that regularly. Uh, and so Chicka's Place Pop is the one for me that that sticks in my mind. And that, the whole thing that worked with that, I mean, that must have been great fun back in the day with the music and everything else that went with it. Well, what was great about that was I was able to keep my radio career going. So I kept radio going. And, and on a Sunday... 
A, a Saturday night, went up to Manchester, Oxford Road, which is no longer there. I've, I've noticed something, Jason. All the places I ever worked in <laughs> have been knocked down. <laughs> Everywhere, I, 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 except for Beacon Towers, which I think is that the house is still there. It is. But the, I've just noted Pebble Mill. Anyway, so um, went up on a Saturday evening to meet Keith and whoever the co-presenter was, uh, Carmen or Debbie, and we did the programme on a Sunday. Um, and I had um, I was the yellow team. I was the mm. yellow team leader. And for those who don't know, it's a mixture of it's a knockout and top of the pops, <laughs> presented by one of the celebrity stars of the day, which was Keith Chegwin, the late Keith Chegwin. I know, lovely fella as well. And it was called Chegger's Place Pop. Um, what was interesting, and I've always wanted to do this, I've written off to a couple of people, producer Peter, Peter Ridsdale Scott, and it's in the days, by the way, when all BBC producers had t- double barrel names. <laughs> the only other outside of the BBC, do you remember Peter Noyes Thomas? Yes. At Beacon? Yeah. And, and everybody with a double barrel name, like Peter, lives up to it. They say, okay, old chap. <laughs> yeah, yes, mad, marvellous, loving it, loving it. Anyway. But well, where was I? Oh, I go off on all sorts of tandems. Um, I wanted to know what bands played on Chegger's Place Pop because loads of great bands appeared with us on Tiz was, but it was a roll call of the 70s and early 80s. Music appeared. I remember sitting down once, having a quiet afternoon whiskey, bearing in mind we recorded the show at 7 o'clock. Right. So it's an afternoon. The bands are downstairs rehearsing. Uh, we've rehearsed the games in the morning because it's a mixture of it's a knockout and top of the pops. So we've rehearsed the games in the morning, we rehearsed the bands in the afternoon, and I spent a great afternoon getting slowly piddled with Debbie Harry, just <laughs> myself and her in a bar, quite close, quite cosy. Um, um, uh, she most probably makes more of the story than I am doing. Now. <laughs> um, but it was just an amazing one. And I'd love to know what bands were on. I can remember Slade and the Usual Suspects, Shawaddy Waddy. Um, I remember. Who was the bloke? Jilted John. Oh. I, I never lived it down. He came on and he sang a song called Jilted John. But everybody still calls that song Gordon is a Moron. And there's a chorus because Gordon is a Moron. And the crew. And the, and the audience had great pleasure in pointing <laughs> in unison at me. <laughs> so anyway, Shaker's Place Pop, it was good, it was good fun. And the, the tapes are still around. You can see them on Facebook. Facebook's a great place, but there's some great stuff on there. There are Tiz Was moments too. And uh, if only we had recordings going back to some of the breakfast shows you did. If there was a lot of that about that would be absolutely fantastic as well, wouldn't it? Do you know, uh, I stopped doing radio... Uh, I, apparently, I retired. I must have been the last one to find out. I, I retired about 10 years ago uh, when I was on BBC Southern Counties. I lived in Brighton. That's a, that's a vibrant city, I can tell you. Um, and um, I, I retired, but I remember hacking around for some jobs, you know, you know when you sort of move on. Yeah. And I, I wanted to come to be nearer the family. And I got practically in unison the same reply. Now, I don't, it's most probably people letting me down gently, because there am I at the age of, I would have been then about 63, 64. Um, I'm, I'm applying for jobs, you know. But mm. in radio, it doesn't matter how old you are, well, it's how you sound, but I've always had a light voice. And I remember they all said practically the same thing was, you know, God, we're, not, we're not employing personalities anymore, people like yourself who are a bit sort of edgy. And I never thought of herself as edgy. I, you know, white <laughs> middle-class boy who's happy to earn a crust. And um, I, I think I, I sounded more edgy than a what Because the, the thing about being edgy and a bit about breaking the rules is you've got to know the rules. And you don't break them, you bend them. Mm-hmm. You threaten the rules. Yeah. You wag, that's the international sign for wagging your finger at the rules. <laughs> um, should we, do you want to do split screen with Charlie? This is split. Do you want to do split screen? Here we go. We're going to do split screen. <laughs> Hello, Charlie. Hello, Charlie. Hang on, there's a delay. <laughs> Good. You are always a pleasure to talk to. Thank you for joining us. How do we find Grandgrad online? It's uh, it's on Facebook only at the moment. I tried every other way of getting it onto Twitter and what have you, but it's on Facebook, and it's just put my name in Gordon Astley, A S T L E Y. All right, and that will get you to us. And, and to be honest, if you, if you, when you send a friend request, say, 
say beaconite or something so so I know you're not just a, a passing stranger in the night I'll tell you what I'll end this little podcast with now go on um, yeah Charlie says end we have a poem um, and we were given this I was given this by a friend who was a Spike Milligan fan and I was, Milligan appeared a couple of times with us on, on Beacon Radio yeah and um, he wrote a poem called smiling is in infectious now bear in mind this is the start of COVID-19 and so infectious was the word mm. you know and I said that's a great antidote to what's going on at the moment okay so this, this and my daughter my granddaughters and everybody I know now knows this off by heart so shall I shall I do it for you share it away please thank you you're a brave man if you say no after I've done that <laughs> <laughs> I blackmailed him. Yes, I did, Charlie. <laughs> Smiling is infectious by Spike Milligan. Here you go. Enjoy. Smiling is infectious. You catch it like the flu. When someone smiled at me today, I started smiling too. I passed around the corner and someone saw my grin. When he smiled, I realized I passed it on to him. I thought about that smile and I realized its worth. A single smile, just like mine, can travel around the earth. So... If you feel a smile begin, don't leave it undetected. Let's start a smile epidemic quick and get the world infected with a smile. Gordon, always good to see you. And Charlie, thank you for joining us. Grand Grad TV, we're looking forward. Search for Gordon Astley. I will see you soon. Ta-ra for now. Keep the faith. They did go well, didn't they? Yeah. It was quite nice, wasn't it? In spite of what other people say, oh, right. We're still on. I won't turn around. We'll pretend this, we're frozen. John Starkey is a name known to many, not only across our area, but across the UK and the globe for his work in the world of clairvoyance. And he joins me now on the line for a chat. Hello, sir. Hello. Now, we haven't been able to get you on a video call uh, because you're in the middle of nowhere up a mountain at the moment, so uh, right, yes. we, we can live with that. However, uh, how are you and what's going on in your world at the moment? Oh, I'm very well, thank you. We seem to be getting an influx of people wanting to know what's going to happen because of the current environment and everything that's going on, so it's becoming very interesting. I can imagine it is, and uh, obviously uh, with your work, it's very often face-to-face. -face. That hasn't been able to happen for a while, but uh, you are also well-known for doing telephone readings too, so you've been able to carry on uh, in spite of everything that's been happening. Yes, that's right. Uh, the telephone really can be a very good medium to talk to people because you don't see the person, so you only pick up on their presence, and that's what makes it interesting. And it shows your worth in what you're doing as well, because sometimes, uh, you know, people could be accused of, of reading reactions to things, and certainly if it's, a, if it's a telephone reading that you're doing, all you've got is the, the sound of their voice to work with. That's right, yes. The, the more reaction you have, the worse the reading will be. The, the rule of thumb is that you talk to the person um, by telling them what you can see, then afterwards, if they want to ask questions, that's fine. So what does it normally involve when, when somebody does set up a reading with you? There's obviously uh, probably not that much consultation beforehand. Someone makes a booking, isn't it? And uh, then you will start talking through what you need from them yeah. to begin with. I take an object to hold and then simply get my mind into that state halfway between sleep and awake where the conscious mind is, is going down and the subconscious mind is coming up like that warm feeling you get before you go to sleep, and then I just tell them everything that comes into my mind. And then once you've shared this, obviously they can then interpret this how they, they see it from uh, the information oh, well, you've given. And... Well, the thing about interpretation is that if you try to do that, it probably won't work out the way you thought it was going to. <laughs> it's better to take it literally, which is why I record it really, make a note of it, uh, on, a, on a recording or note of it in whatever way you can and then see what happens and uh, it's fascinating sometimes how something that you say you will think is one way and actually it turns out to be another but it turns out you know just as it comes sometimes and of course uh, we know you from your time uh, sharing astrology on local radio for many many years and yes that was a great time yeah uh, is that still something that you work on as well do you do astrological charts for people 
No, I don't do individual charts these days. I just look at the trends. It fascinates me where the planets are in relation to each star sign sometimes. And the astrology side of it really is something that kind of personal interest. But I used to look at all the trends, put it together, then try and put it together in a sort of semi-amusing kind of way so that people could take it as a sort of... Um, guide really mm -hmm. something to look out for in your in your day-to-day -day life and uh, yeah, the, the way in which the star signs work is has, has been an interest for many thousands of years hasn't it yes oh indeed yes it's ancient absolutely yes and in many cultures too so when uh, you're working with people at the minute, I mean, we know from uh, what you've done in the past, you would often have uh, events and, and big gatherings. Obviously, that's something that hasn't been able to happen this year. And uh, that's probably yeah. left a lot of people disappointed because they do like to get together and, and have well, a time of communion on this. Yes, it's nice to meet up. I worked with, with, well, still do work with the Psychic Research Foundation of Great Britain, and, and they have regular sort of meetings at different parts of the country. Um, and it's lovely to keep in touch with the people as well, because a lot of them are developing their own abilities, maybe in different ways, maybe in healing or in uh, passing on knowledge to other people or, or clairvoyance or whatever. But a very interesting group of people who uh, have all got different ways of looking at things. The lovely part about it is they're a great cultural mixture, but they're also a mixture of interests too. So when we do have a weekend together, it becomes great fun, and we normally find that uh, we get the leisure side of it as well. <laughs> so uh, the best of both worlds. <laughs> yes. So, now, uh, obviously, we, we are in difficult times at the moment, and this means, uh, say, a lot of people are looking to you for uh, not necessarily reassurance, but at least some understanding of their direction and path. And uh, when it comes down to uh, the, the world we're in at the moment, I mean, how, how do you see things progressing? I mean, fingers crossed we're going to see a, a better world to, to come in the near future. Well, I never contemplated or could see what's happening on with this uh, pandemic, etc. But I did keep getting this feeling of civil war. Now, I'll be quite straightforward about it. I've said it to uh, quite a few people. Uh, I only hope it doesn't escalate to anything silly. But um, I think the world will go in a good direction eventually when we stop dividing people into groups and we see ourselves as being one big group, then we've got the real power to go forward. And I do think that will come. I think it will be a backlash from those who want us to do the opposite to that. And uh, hopefully, uh, with the likes of this coronavirus pandemic, it will help us to work together as one global community. I think so. Yes, I think so. I, I, I can, I'm old enough to remember the time when you would know your next-door neighbour mm -hmm. and when you lived in a little, a little group where you'd all help each other. And, you know, it's quite strange. There's good that comes from all sorts of things. And I think the good has come from that particular situation of people working together, even though they can't see each other. Things like um, clapping for the NHS. You know, the deed is good, but the, the sort of aspect of that where people come together is even better because mm -hmm. they're standing as one. John, where can people get in touch with you so they can find out about future events and of course talk to you if they need to? Oh, best way is give us a call and that's on the Wolverhampton number which is 01902 334 John Starkey, always good to speak to you. Stay safe and we look forward to speaking Pleasure. to you soon. Thanks very much. Dominic Smith shot to national fame as part of Britain's Got Talent, ooh, probably about a decade or so ago now. Uh, he has continued his singing since uh, that moment of stardom. However, he's taking a bit of a break. He's wasting his time at the minute doing a degree in civil psychology or something. I don't know what's wrong with him there. But he has got that talent. He is a star and he joins me now for a chat. Hello, sir. Hey, hello. How are you doing? I'm good. Are you all right then? I'm good, thank you. Good stuff. So, I mean, let's let's go back in time to begin with, because before you appeared on Britain's Got Talent, you'd already sung in front of thousands of people. Uh, we had you sing down at Molyneux, and uh, you caused an absolute stir when you did that. Not once, but I think twice in the end, wasn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, so we, we definitely, we, you invited back, which is always a good sign. But, <laughs> um, I mean, even uh, then, there was uh, a lot of talk around uh, a future career. But that, that's a path you've pretty much chosen not to go down just yet. But, but who knows what the future could hold? Mm -hmm. 
So what was it like doing BGT? Where, at what, the tender age of what, 11 years old, was it? Um, BGT, I was 14. I turned 15 by the time that I got to the semi-finals. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, like quite a transitional sort of age as well, coming out of secondary school and going into sixth form and that kind of stuff. For someone of that age, it must have been quite daunting appearing on TV and being in all the press. It, it, well, it, it was daunting, but I was... Um, I think because I'd been doing it since I was 10, um, I was just conditioned to be used used to that and used to that environment. Like there was always, um, there's always nerves, there's always adrenaline and that that sort of stuff. But um, it was kind of just something that I got on with and just um, became accustomed to. But when you were performing, I sort of you just absolutely blew everyone away and... Uh... To, to do uh, as well as you did, to get to the live finals. And it's one thing being recorded singing for TV, but another one knowing that whatever happens, it's actually going live across the nation. And and that, again, that must have been even worse. Um, yeah, yeah, very, like that, that element of it 100% was a big deal. I remember being backstage and thinking, it, it's, not, it's not just the audience, mm -hmm. like, and, and, and um, yeah, that was an intense moment. But again, um, it's like I just channeled that, if that makes sense. Um, you know, it was always a part of a part of the system, a part of the rush, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. and, and, and do you think that helped you shine? Because uh, when, when, when the nerves are on edge, that can't make it just that little bit more important, can't it? Well, 100%. I mean, like, nerves can, like, make or break it. Mm -hmm. If So, you know, I think when you are nervous and when you do put the gravitas on a, that much gravitas on a performance, um, it either enhances it and makes it a more raw um, version of the song that you're singing, mm -hmm. um, as opposed to if it was just something that you were just, uh... It's, but, th but did you ever manage to get any musical releases under your belt? Are, are there still CDs with your little cherub childlike face on them? <laughs> there are still CDs. I never actually, um, I never actually released any. I do want to. I do actually want to release some of the old material. Mm -hmm. um, I'm, I'm hoping at some point to be able to do a project where I re-record the songs that I did mm -hmm. um, in a different key, um, maybe change the style up a little bit along and release it alongside um, the younger version. Okay, kind of then and now thing. Yeah. Um, so that's definitely something that I want to do. And, they, and the songs are lurking around and mm -hmm. I'm still kind of in touch with um, some of the people that I did because, work with. Because, I mean, as it, as it goes, Obviously, when someone's voice breaks, that can change things and make a difference. You're talking about singing in a different key. I mean, you, your voice did break quite late, which is why I got confused about how old you were at the time, because, uh, you know, you, you, that was, I suppose, a perennial, perennial worry for anybody who's, who, who was booking you at the time, because they were, they, were, they were booking in Dominic up here somewhere, and they weren't sure they were going to get Dominic down here. We were, like, <laughs> we were always dealing with that. Um, for a fair amount of time and um, it wasn't until I was about 16 or 17 even when my voice changed um, but it it happened and um, and it was just learning a new instrument well it still and, really um, well works well because we had you sing at the bonfire in the city last year <laughs> and you absolutely wowed the audiences and uh, you know th throughout the whole night we had some fantastic acts on and uh, every single one of them, uh, someone made a comment about how good they were. And when he came to you, they said, yeah, well, where do we know him from? And I had to explain the backstory to a few people. Going, right, okay, because he was like about yeah, four foot nothing last time we saw him. Honestly, I was a late bloomer with height as well. That was a big <laughs> yep. That was worrying. <laughs> Hey, you you are you tower over me as I recall now, and your dad in fact too, because uh, <laughs> uh, who brought you to all the gigs when you were younger. Um, so when we what can we expect? So I, I joke about the fact you're doing your. Uh, it, well, give me the full title of the degree course. So I'm I'm, I'm doing a psychology BSc. Um, so yeah, I just I got to a certain point again. There's a running theme with me as a late bloomer. <laughs> where um, I just wanted to be well-rounded and um, I also really respect mental health 
and um, understand how important it is to know as much as you can and try and be a better force um, in promoting that and helping heal that kind of that wound that has been neglected for a long time. Um, and when I wanted to incorporate it in, into my music as well, I wanted to be knowledgeable in a way where I could apply therapies or um, just my knowledge um, into my music and just to add another dimension. Through all of the studies, that's, I mean, uh, I think you could easily run the two careers in parallel. I think this could prove uh, a, a particularly powerful way of doing it. And um, you say music is such a therapy to many people as well. Um, I think the, the two just really do go hand in hand, don't they? Most definitely, most definitely. Um, I think explaining my reasons for doing it, because I felt like I did have to explain myself to a lot of people. Um, yeah, why aren't you a multi-million pound celebrity <laughs> megastar? Oh, gosh. But, um, but what I explained to them is um, I know that in my life I want to do good by people and, and music-wise. Um, you know, there there was a lot of good that I was giving. I, you know, I I got off of um, people appreciating or evoking some sort of emotion, some sort of relief, um, helping soothe some sort of pain mm -hmm. um, from the music and from what I gave. And it was a way. And going into psychology was a very similar sort of situation. It was like learning about people and trying to help them. And trying to soothe, um, so it was, and it was something that I think that empathy—you have to have some sort of empathy um, as a musician, anyway, um, just to convey all of those emotions across. Um, and I knew that I had that as a skill, and I was just like, I just want to incorporate it into other things. I want to be the whole person that I'm meant to be. Well, certainly, uh, you know, from the, the music world, we know that you are up there and we'll wait to see what your degree comes out like. Uh, but that's going to be good. I know you're, you're, you're going to do absolutely brilliant in that as well. Everything that you do is suitably driven. Uh, so where do we go to find out what you are doing at the moment and uh, where should we hang around? Just kind of waiting for the next musical experience. <laughs> um, in all honesty, um, there's been... There's been a lot of writing going on, but nothing's set in stone and released just yet. I mean, I am on my social medias. I'm on Facebook, um, Dominic Alex Smith, Instagram, um, Dom Alex Smith. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at. But I, it is something that I plan on doing. My degree finishes um, next year. Even though that's confusing um, in itself in the current climate. Well, yeah. Um but a lot of it is online, so I do think that there's going to be a lot of time for me to kind of spark those um, creative juices and get them flowing. And um, it's just about being able to get into a room and put some stuff down. Mm -hmm. um, so, yeah. I mean, like, in lockdown, what else is there to do except for be creative? <laughs> exactly. Well, the world needs you to do that, so make sure you get your finger out and get that sorted, young man. Uh, meanwhile, though, have a fantastic time. We look forward to eventually getting that uh, full album uh, released, which has been a long time coming. Uh, yeah. now, I'm going to just call you yeah, Dom, but Dominic Alex Smith, thank you for joining us. <laughs> thank you. Working the world of PT and some therapy too is James Kirkpatrick. He joins me for a chat now. Hello, sir. Hello, Jason. How you doing? Yeah, not too bad, thank you. How are you? I'm getting by, thank you. Although my back is killing. We need to have words about that at some point. Because uh, you do work in the world of therapy when it comes to uh, the likes of massage and various other techniques uh, which are there to help people either with sports injuries or general day-to-day -day life, not treating them particularly well. And uh, with the sudden influx of yes. people doing stuff in the garden over the last few weeks when they've been furloughed, uh, as soon as you're able to get back to work, I suspect you're going to be busy. Yeah, very much. Um, there's a lot of people out there that have seen on social media and stuff doing a lot of uh, exercises that uh, could be tweaked. Um, so, you know, picking up injuries. Uh, and I'll be there to uh, um, 
remedy any issues they may have. So uh, remind us about some of the areas that you work in, because it, it's more than just muscle manipulation. Yeah, so um, as a sports therapist, um, obviously as you touched on muscle manipulation, um, I do what they call dry needling, or also known as Western World Medical Acupuncture. I do uh, sports taping, uh, strapping, kinesiology taping, so when you see people with um, different cords uh, taped down their limbs, um, this tape can be used to uh, relieve muscle tension and improve uh, range of motion within uh, joints. I do gait analysis to basically monitor how people walk or run and how this can um, lead to um, potential injuries. Uh, I, I'm qualified as a personal trainer, uh, nutrition management, GP referral. I've got a lot of um, a lot of strings to my bow. <laughs> and you've been working uh, around the Midlands and beyond for some time now. And uh, also working in gyms too. And you must see uh, a range of people who really, if they only thought about things a bit more or talked to someone like yourself before they started doing exercise, could have avoided some major problems. Yes. So what um, people do when they first come to a gym is nine times out of ten, they'll, they'll come with a friend or somebody they know who already attends that particular gym. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're new to a gym and you're attending with a friend, that's that's a great start. You know, that's a good way to keep yourself motivated. But um, the, the key thing is to identify your own goals. Um, you know, know, know what exactly it is what you want to achieve, um, and speak to a qualified person because. Yes, you can attend with a friend, but your friend um, may do exercises that a uh, that you know, your body may not particularly need or want at that particular time. Um, you know, of going to the gym. Uh, b, your friend might be using weights that would be far too heavy for you. Um, and if you were to partake in such exercises, you could easily cause injury or an anatomical stress to muscles. Um, if you've got tight muscles in your chest, for example, and you, you continue to do uh, uh, chest exercises, you're just going to tighten those chests up, those muscles up, and you know, you're going to walk around with uh, curved so shoulders, and it's going to be harder to get a anatomical uh, correct posture um, without you know, laying off you know, those particular exercises. So basically who is qualified and knows what they're talking about and who can actually help you achieve your goals is going to set you off in the right foot. Yeah, because when you do a gym induction, you'll be told how to use the equipment, but you are very much on your own. And, you know, they will make sure you're using the equipment safely, but how far you push yourself is, is down to what you're doing, how you exercise and what you actually do. And, well, yeah, you could be working a muscle group, which, which really just is not in the mood for it, as you say. And uh, without suitable warm-ups and getting everything in place, you could end up you know, needing a significant amount of attention afterwards. Yes, um, I mean the warm-up is um, highly important. You know, you should never, um, you should, you should never uh, exercise on on cold muscles. You know, you need to get the blood flow in there, get um, get the get the joints lubricated, get them uh, ready for exercise. And you know, if you don't do that, it's you know it's a very difficult position to um, correct. You know, once you pick up injuries, it's it's just going to set you back and back and back, and then that's when people stop exercising and you know they stop going to the gym because they've injured themselves and you know they don't want to uh, have a reoccurrence of of said of said injury. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and they don't get the health benefits that go along with all of this. And we talked briefly about dry needling there. Now this is something that you have done to me to to address issues around my sciatic nerve, and it's a it's an odd experience from the receiving end, but certainly uh, it uh, it gave a, a, a great amount of relief, and it's something that I you know I, I certainly would look at going back to again. Yeah, so dry needling is um, is a very specific technique um, where in a sports therapy world, you know, you can have a massage, but that massage is only going to be um, working in the general area, whereas with a needle it's very specific. Um, you don't have to be exactly on the point to um, manipulate the muscle or, or have a, a positive effect on the muscle, um, but if it's in the general area, when the needle is manipulated by simply twisting it uh, between two to seven times, the muscle fibers and the connective tissue wrap around the needle and it stimulates it to relax. Um, 
in a physiological way when we do exercises we're simply um, sending electrical currents from the brain to the muscles telling them okay we're going to contract we're going to relax but sometimes those electrical signals get stuck within the muscle so when we put um, the metal needle in as everybody should know metal and electric conduct very well together and when we put the needle in manipulate it um, the muscle in effect uh, basically relaxes because the electrical current is took away from that area. And you can get a period of relief from that which will help out and uh, you know alongside uh, the other work that you do with people yeah, it's a good opportunity for them to feel better and you know through that therapy make a difference. So where can we go to find out more about your work and the techniques that you're using? Uh, so uh, I'm on uh, social media, Facebook, um, uh, Twitter, uh, uh, JK underscore uh, MFT or uh, my website www.jkfitnessmassage.co.uk So check out the details there. But for now, James Kirkpatrick, thank you for joining us. Not a problem, Jason. Thanks for your time. Someone who's been entertaining audiences since long before you first saw him on television is George Windsor and he joins me now for a chat. Hello, sir. Hello, thanks for having me. Well, always good to talk to you. Nice to have a catch up. Uh, what's okay. been going on in your world? Oh, it's been absolutely crazy, Jason. So, obviously, um, when all this lockdown um, happened, everyone was thinking, oh, this is the great time to reflect, you know, write, you know, some people had said they're going to do that album in three months and it's just the complete polar opposite for me I've been so uninspired it is ridiculous you know it's it's not been um it's not been fun it's been very testing mentally mm -hmm. um but you know in the things that have been going on for me a lot of behind the scenes work you know we've been getting our creative heads together you know me and my team and we've been looking at ideas and we've been looking at doing things that are unexpected rather than expected mm -hmm. for a change so <laughs> yeah it's been um, it's been fun it's been it's been different um obviously i've had to stay in for nearly god knows how many months now because i had to shield um yeah. because i suffer with asthma so mm -hmm. i had the, the the daunting letter come through the post from the nhs saying you cannot go anywhere so it's been a been a bit weird but yeah. what about you well yeah I've been carried on regardless I'm afraid I've been busy working uh, I've been doing a lot of work from home but uh, and hence uh, the fact I'm sat back on the set here at the moment rather than being out and about doing interviews and stuff because yeah. uh, I mean we, we, we've uh, worked on all sorts of big events together and uh, yeah normally yeah. I think the last time we had a chat it was in a, a random studio somewhere but uh, you know, we definitely have no chance to go have a natter over a coffee of late. So, uh, <laughs> but I mean, in your position still, I mean, as you have to shield, I mean, you still need to be careful out there. There is a, a lower risk of infection with the way things are at the moment, but still, you can't really head out too much, can you? No, no. And you've, you've just got to be really sensible. You've got to be really, you know, mindful. And for once, everyone's got to think about everyone instead of themselves, because if you have a symptom and you're not isolating, that's one of the most selfish things you could be doing right now. Yeah, know? absolutely. And, and, and most, you know, most people would feel absolutely awful if they pass it on to somebody. Yeah. Uh, and you know, it, the worst could happen because we don't know who it's going to affect. We know that you're, you're in a vulnerable position. However, it's not going to stop you belting out a few tunes in the weeks to come, is it? No, absolutely not. You know, I've been doing a lot of rehearsing. Um, we um, we moved uh, part of my home studio into a different part of my house. That's that's one thing that I've been doing. Yeah, um, rewiring, relocating. Yeah. yeah. So um, we literally had to move the studio, um, and I've, I have been practicing because when you get in writing, when you get into writing, and you're just constantly writing, you kind of forget to rehearse your set list, your day-to-day -day <laughs> singing. You know, you forget to do your your exercises. So for me, I was just writing, 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 and then I forgot how to sing, and I was like. <laughs> Oh my god! I need to I need to really like swap the swap the roles over. So for me, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of rehearsing. I'm not gonna lie, I don't think my neighbours have appreciated it because they've seen more of it. And they get private concert every day of the week. <laughs> what more could they ask for? I know, I know, you know. And this is what I was saying to, to you know my family. I said these people haven't got to pay. You know, they literally just got to open a window. <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's been it's been good. You know, um, we had really nice weather, didn't we, to start with? So yeah. I was, uh, taking advantage of that you know I was you know I'm, I'm really positive when it's sunny Jason I'm yeah. always extra positive when it's sunny but 
as soon as bad weather comes and you know we're all freaking out we're all got anxiety from all these viruses and germs you know at one point it was like living in a different world and i never thought that something like this would happen in my lifetime i know it's um, amazing isn't it yeah it's a uh, it's a bit strange and then i watched the um i watched the uh, what was that um that program called that um about about what we're going through is it contagion or oh, something yeah yeah watch that wish i'd never watched that literally completely completely uh, traumatized me but uh you know it is what it is uh you know but we've got so much planned for the end of the year and all being well um hopefully we'll we'll be able to release some new music that's on its way. I mean, with the stuff in the back catalogue, and you did Tainted Love uh, a while ago, and that's been particularly well received, hasn't it? Yes, that was really fun. That was a, a really fun track to work on. Um, that was done last year, um, and I think within the first two weeks, it, it I think it got 17,000 streams in the first week and a bit. I think <laughs> it was just over. So I was like, oh my God, like, this is crazy. I didn't think people would actually take to it because it is a classic song, you know, it's sung by a legend. But for me to put a modern twist on it and for people to accept it, it was quite kind of a big thing because, you know, Mark Almond. But when it comes down to it, I mean, the look and everything as well, I mean, you could just be a young Mark Almond. Well, <laughs> that would be, that would be an honour to be compared to someone Absolutely. like Absolutely. You know, that, that would actually be an Anna, I, I think he's brilliant. I love Mark. I love his message. I love his technique when he writes. He's not your stereotypical, you know, pop singer that's like, yeah, it's got to be rhyme A, go with rhyme B, and then rhyme B, go with. He literally writes exactly how he's feeling, mm -hmm. and I, I think I think that is just brilliant on its own. I love that. Well, well yeah, Tony Love was a great track. We shot a music video um, in Birmingham in the Jewelry Quarter, so everything was local, and I specifically said that I wanted everything to be local. I didn't want any American twists. I didn't want any commercial vibes. I just wanted it to be authentic, yeah. um, and that's what we did. So, yeah, that was great, but, you know, the, the new album, well, the debut album, I should say, um, long overdue. Mm, it's um, yes. it's coming. It's slowly coming, but it's gonna. I think it's gonna shock a few people. I can't wait to release the first track of it. We used to big audiences both on TV and in real life. I've seen you things that sing to thirty thousand people in one go in Wolverhampton, and uh, always well received whenever you perform. Uh, where can we go to keep track of what is going on? Because you're all over Insta and Facebook the whole time, aren't you? Yeah, so at the moment, it's it's Instagram, 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 and Twitter. Like, uh, that, my Facebook page is kind of, like, dormant at the moment. <laughs> it literally, it's like it went to sleep with the lockdown. So I would say you could follow me at I'm George Windsor um, on all my socials. You can also check out the website, I'mGeorgeWindsor.com. Um, but obviously, as more is announced, you'll obviously, you'll be kept in the loop, Jason, 100%. Well, we will look forward to talking then, and of course, there's the back catalogue of all the interviews and things that you've done online as well that uh, you know that you've got out there, so we can go along and see all of that. Basically, we just search for George Windsor, not that one, this one, uh, and uh, you can uh, enjoy the work. We'll take a listen to Tainted Love now, but for, for for now, George, thanks for joining us. No problem. Sometimes I feel I've got to run away, I've got to get away from the pain that you drive into the heart of me. The love we share seems to go nowhere, and I've lost my light, for I toss and turn, I can't sleep at night, once I ran to you. Want any more from me to make 
to run away I've got to run away I've got to run away I've got to Josh Bell is a personal trainer and a bodybuilder entering competitions which have obviously been put on hold at the moment but he joins me now for a bit of a chat. Hello sir. Hey there mate, you alright? I'm good, I trust we find you well? Yeah, sound, sound. Now it's been disappointing for you because you were working towards a great 2020 season in the world of bodybuilding and obviously that's all on hold at the moment but it doesn't mean you've given up on the personal fitness goals does it? No, 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 absolutely not, no. I've still been uh, training in that. Well, found a way. <laughs> yeah. So tell us a bit about the sort of competitions you'd normally be entering. Uh, well, I do men's physique, so it's like board shorts. Uh, take about 15, 12 weeks to get ready for. Strip you that, diet down a little bit and uh, train hard. Well, yeah, and, and uh, you, you do work hard at this. And when it comes down to, to that sort of competition and the effort that you put in and uh, getting yourself into the sort of shape, it can't be uh, a, an easy one to, to live the sort of life that you would normally expect to at, what, lad in his 20s? Yeah, yeah well, yeah, you sort of put everything else on hold for, a, for the period that you're doing the show for and then that's about it, really. You just last eight, eight to six weeks in particular, you just absolutely hammering it like you've got no time for anything else like mm. <laughs> <laughs> but at the end of it you look good for the beach anyway so you can have a good holiday and a bit of a blowout afterwards yeah that's the one <laughs> that's the way it normally works you gotta be you gotta be, ca- you gotta be careful afterwards though because you know, your body's used to eating such a like, small amount of food you can make yourself ill if you were going out and have too much of a blowout <laughs> That's what I've done before. You've got to find a way that you uh, can behave and make it all work for you. But I mean, that yeah. all ties in with your PT world as well, doesn't it? Because you've been doing that for a good while now. Yeah, yeah. Well, I the um, obviously the one-to-one sessions have been like, put on hold and that. Um, but I've moved a lot of my business online and stuff. Uh, and then obviously I still work for Wolverhampton Council, WD Active, mm-hmm. um, doing bits of them. Yeah, and, and they've kept you busy even though the leisure centres haven't been open because I, I know you've been working rather hard on the food distribution across the city as well. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been down there three, four days a week and packing parcels for vulnerable people. And, and I suppose maybe people didn't click as to that was actually happening. The council staff, who would normally be doing one thing, weren't furloughed and, and doing nothing. They've actually been going out there and, uh, and working with the community in different ways during the coronavirus crisis. Yeah, yeah, a lot of them have been on, uh, if they haven't been at the food or a few of them have been at the, um, there's a, a few homeless re- refuges mm-hmm. in there. Yeah. Um, and there's uh, a lot of people on like, the hotlines and stuff, mm-hmm. like the hotline, the phones straight up. So they've been keeping um, you all so, busy, which is what counts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's <laughs> all good, really. So what happens now then? Uh, have you got uh, competitions scheduled in for later on this year with social distancing in place? Or do we know what's happening there yet? Uh, it's all a bit up in the air, I think. Uh, they're hoping to resume back end of this year, but I'll probably just, um, not this year on the air, to try and get a bit bigger and then go again next year when it's all back to n- normal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is your aim? I mean, how, how, how does it work in, in, in the different categories and stuff? Because how old are you now? 25. And it's a bit of a young man's game, isn't it? Um, I wouldn't say so. Mm. I'd say you, could, you probably hit your prime when you're for bodybuilding, when you're like 30, 35. Yeah. Um, obviously, you've got more years of training under your belt, um, a bit more muscle maturity and stuff like that. Um, a bit more size, really. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that's, that's what you're working towards. And uh, with the PT work as well, if somebody doesn't necessarily have to want to be a, a bodybuilder and, and bulk up to a, a big size suitable for competition. They can just get themselves into shape. And where can people go to find out more about your work that you do there? Yeah, yeah a lot of my clients are um, like lifestyle clients, as you'd call them, just mm. want to be fitter, look, look better and stuff like that. Um, yeah, a lot of the time it's not like performance-based stuff like for a sport or for bodybuilding is it is just like cosmetically they want to lose a bit of weight or they want to put a bit they're a bit slim and they want to put a bit of size on like mm-hmm. so lots of ways so, to do that okay so where do people find you online my business page is jb performance one 
um, on Instagram. Uh, I'm in the process of setting up a website at the moment, obviously, because with all this like COVID-19 and everything, I've had to move a lot of my business online, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought I'd take the opportunity to get a website set up and everything. <laughs> so that'll come soon. And are you on Facebook as well? I am, yeah, JB, uh, JB Performance and Nutrition on Facebook. So, uh, again, you can help out people with what they're looking for there. And uh, can people also follow your progress in the uh, the world of the bodybuilding championships? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I mean, my business page um, on Instagram is mainly just pictures of me um, and my progress, How, like, what training I've been doing uh, since the gyms have been shut. Mm-hmm in garage and stuff like that <laughs> <laughs> so keeping yourself in uh, yeah, the, the condition you want to be in ready for your next round of competitions in 2021 yeah 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 that's it well josh good to catch up with you keep up the good work yeah. and uh, i know you've got to go and dash off and do some work at the food hub now so uh, i'll let you get yeah, on with that. yeah cheers mate thank you Well, that's all for this week. Thank you so much for joining us back with episode 574 next week. I'll see you then. So, for now. Goodbye from the mill bar. 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 Yeah. Goodbye from the mill bar. Yeah.